Good morning. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, August 28, 2018, and today we are reading from the big book, and we are currently on page 101. Uh, we're starting with the second paragraph. It starts, In Our Belief, Any Scheme, and we're going to read through two paragraphs ending, Tempting Providence, But It Isn't. So today's readers, we have Laura A. on the 12 Steps, Jody E.Q. on the 12 Traditions, and the readers of the text are Marie J., Lauren N., and Carmela G. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, August 27th, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 11,836. That's 11836. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, 11,838, the OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, while they're recovering from compulsive overeating, and we welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose is to wish Matt a happy birthday. No, our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, and that is to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So I will now ask Laura A. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Laura. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. This is Laura A., a recovering compulsive overeater in New Hampshire, and the 12 steps, one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me be service, and I pass. Thanks so much, uh, Laura. Appreciate that. Okay, I'll now ask Jody E.Q. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, Jody. Good morning, Barry, and good morning, everybody. This is Jody E.Q., gratefully recovering in California. 
12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me be of service, and I pass. Thanks so much, Jody. Okay, here's how our meeting works. So after we, we wish Matt Emma happy birthday, our meeting then focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. If you'd like to share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we are gonna resume our study of the big book. We are um, currently on page 101, uh, starting with the second paragraph. It starts in our belief any scheme, and then Marie's gonna read through two paragraphs ending Tempting providence, but it isn't. Okay, so Marie J, take it away. Good morning, Lily. Can you hear me? I can. Great, thanks. This is Marie J, recovered in Colorado. In our belief, any scheme of combating alcoholism which proposes to shield the sick man from temptation is doomed to failure. If the alcoholic tries to shield himself, he may succeed for a time, but he usually winds up with a bigger explosion than ever. We have tried these methods. These attempts do not 
these attempts to do the impossible have always failed. So our rule is not to avoid a place where there is drinking if we have a legitimate reason for being there. That includes bars, nightclubs, dances, receptions, weddings, and even plain ordinary whoopee parties. To a person who's had experience with an alcoholic, this may seem like tempting providence, but it isn't. And tempting providence is um, taking silly risks and uh, depending on luck, or in my case, willpower. So attempting to shield myself from my food triggers only results in putting me back in charge. And if I'm to be successful at this, I can't be in charge. So first I have to realize that I'm powerless, and I have to second believe that there is a power that we call higher power that can restore me to sanity. So I have to be in my first two, three steps all the time. And if I believe that I have to stay away from sugar and flour in my case and not have it anywhere, then I have to make sure that that happens. And that's going to take a lot of willpower. And I've already proven that I only have willpower for a short period of time and then I crack. So if, on the other hand, I believe and trust in this power that I can't explain and then I surrender my will so I don't have to be in charge, then I'm going to be taken charge of, taken care of rather. And I, I can't explain how that happens, but it does. And it's worked for me. You know, I can be around all kinds of sugary things and breads and there's no temptation because I am trusting this power, but I'm also staying abstinent and doing the steps. You know, so I'm released from my physical allergy through, through abstinence and my, my uh, mental obsession by doing the steps. So, for example, we have this long tradition in our family of baking cookies and my grandma's finished bula bread at Christmas time. We do it once a year. And it's a multi-generational thing. My sisters come and my nieces and nephews and my sons and we're all there and it's a big family thing and we honor my grandmother and we braid the bread and we decorate the cookies. And it's a really treasured time. And we do this once a year. It's not like I'm tempting Providence every day of the week. But if I was trying to manage this with self-will and white-knuckle through any temptations, it would be really painful and incredibly unsuccessful because I'm just not that strong. I don't have to white-knuckle, though, because I'm free. Because first I'm abstinent, abstinent and then I work the steps, and God does the rest. I just hand it over. Thanks. That's what I've got. Pass. Thanks, Marie. Okay, so again, we're on page 101. Marie read from the second paragraph through two paragraphs. We're going to comment on both. And who would like to share? Katie G. from Boston. Katie. Kim, Kim G. Hey, Reva Kim. P. Reva. Melissa C. Melissa. Nancy P. Nancy. How about Jody one or two Q. more? Jody. Katie F. All right, we'll stop with Katie F. What a lineup. All right, so we got Katie followed by Kim. One, two punch here. Hey, Katie, good morning. Good morning, Larry. I think you said my name. I was unmuting. I did. Is that true? Okay. <laughs> Hi, it's Katie G. Hello, family. It's Katie G. Recovered from Wolf of Overeater, Anorexic, and Bulimic. So exciting, right? We're not fighting. The book teaches me I have ceased fighting anything or anyone. I mean, I just was sitting here laughing this morning because when I was in college, all the ways in which I've tried to fight food 
So I went to Malawi, Africa, and I went to Malawi, Africa because I figured in a third world country that I wouldn't be able to binge and that I'd be able to lose weight. And wherever you go, there you are, KDG, because I, in a third world country with no electricity and no running water, I found food and I found alcohol and I was binging my brains out. And so what is this teaching me like? In the beginning of OA, we talked a lot about avoiding people, places, and things. And the problem is life is my temptation, right? So, like, I can stay out of the aisles and whatnot, and that is important. That was very important for me in the beginning of recovery. And also to not get cocky now. Like, I don't need to run into a, a friendlies and, you know, a scoop ice cream unless I have a legitimate reason for being there, just like it's saying. Um but, you know, I, but life is my temptation, right? Like even in a third world country, KDG, you can find a bigger explosion than ever. You can find a way to binge because, because again, the disease is not in the parking lot doing push-ups. It is inside of me. And, you know, some wonderful ways that God has shown me a legitimate reason for being there. You know, my wedding day, I never imagined, what are you going to do on your wedding day? Like before I got even found a man, I was concerned about that. And on my wedding day, in my wedding dress I got a towel out I had my weight and measured lunch in the bridal suite while everyone else was putting on their makeup right like I was doing my program because program comes first and I had a legitimate reason for being there and I didn't notice the food um and I, you know, my husband is a very social person and he really loves to be out with other people. And I'm a very social person for about one to two hours, if you know me. And then I get tired, you know, so I have to ask myself, like, when I'm going places, is there a reason for me to go? And we'll talk about this later, but what can I bring to the occasion? Or am I just, am I just trying to like, uh, tempt a little whatever, get a little ease and comfort that comes at once by like pushing food on other people. Um, but I can go anywhere and I don't, I haven't, I, I don't fight it. I don't, I don't want the food. Um, and at the same time, you know, I don't, I don't tempt, I don't tempt Providence. Like I, um, what am I trying to say? I'm, I'm, I'm wise. I ask God for help. You know, like I weigh and measure my food. I commit it. I have a plan before I go places. I don't just go and say, well, I have a legitimate reason to go. If I plan to fail, I, I can, if I fail the plan, I can plan to fail. But, um, but God is bigger than any temptation that's out there. And I don't have to fight anymore for one more day. Happy birthday, Matt. With that, I pass. Thanks, Katie. Okay. We have Kim G followed by Reva. Hey, Kim, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, a recovery compulsive overeater from South Jersey. You know, I, I love this first paragraph. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I don't meet a lot of newcomers in Overeaters Anonymous. Um, I meet a lot of people like me, people who have been in and out of the program for decades, relapsing over and over. And I like to bring people to this paragraph, the scheme, shielding, doomed to failure, bigger explosion, always fails. You know, for me personally, and I came into Overeaters Anonymous, I had six years of back-to-back white-knuckled, frightened abstinence. But once I picked up, man, I get more than eight or nine months, then eight or nine weeks, and then eight or nine days, and eventually eight or nine hours. So what are those schemes, not only that we're doing in diet programs, what are the schemes that I am trying to employ as a member of a 12-step program, trying to really not do everything but the 12 steps? You know, 90 and 90, meeting makers make it. I have, I have a spoiler alert, people. Meetings do not treat compulsive overeating. 
hopefully a healthy meeting exposes you to the treatment, which is the 12 steps, but it doesn't treat overeating. You know, I think of Nancy Reagan, just say no. I was going to get up in the morning and make that decision not to eat. You know, avoiding our triggers. I have to tell you, for this compulsive overeater, I only have one trigger, and that's being awake. If I'm awake and I'm untreated, there's a damn good chance I'm going to eat. Avoiding people, places, and things. I remember I didn't go to a restaurant for over two years because I was so terrified to eat in a restaurant. You know, trying methods to control and enjoy my eating. There was a meeting um, in my area that was Tuesdays and Thursdays in a mall, and I would have my two slices of pizza before going to those meetings, thinking the power of that meeting would allow me not to binge after the meeting. You know, working a tools-only program. I remember in my area, Region 7, we used to have this, this journal for a 12-step program, nothing about the steps. We would, we would check off what tools we did. We'd write our food plan, how many glasses of water we had, and five affirmations. That scheme failed me utterly. And then just simply scared straight. Listening to enough war stories is going to keep me sober. You know, I realize now that for many years I worked a program of fear and fellowship. I worked a program of, pro, of opinions and slogans especially the one I love. It works if you work it. Well, what the heck is it? You know, page 58, it says, here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. The program of recovery is the 12 steps. So to put it simply, I spent 17 years in a way where I put the food down, I would face the food, and I would fight, and I'd fight the food with all the different schemes I just told you, and I would relapse. But over seven and a half years ago, I put down the food 100%. I faced a solution, and I even employed some of those schemes as a way to work the, the 12 steps, and I've had seven and a half years of contented abstinence. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kim. Okay, we have Reva followed by Melissa. Hey, Reva, good morning. Good morning. Hi, this is Reva. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. These paragraphs remind me, as I'm hearing about step 12, um, that I didn't have a food problem. I had a living problem. And my living problem is based on the fact that my thinking is totally off. Um, and before this program, there were lots of schemes. There were lots of failures. There were lots of explosions and that was with the food and with my emotions and with my relationships. And there was a lot of fighting and trying to shield and trying harder to shield and controlling. Um, and this reminds me that I don't need schemes. Schemes to me imply something sort of sneaky and manipulative. Um, and this program gives me a plan, a plan of action that works that is effective. Um, and you know, this applies to me not just with the food. And I remember, yes, there was a time when I was just coming off my binge foods and I did have to avoid certain places and people. Um, but soon after that, you know, if I'm at step 12 and I'm spiritually fit, and I love the if, if I'm spiritually fit and if I have a legitimate reason for being there and the only way I know if I have a legitimate reason for being somewhere is by working the steps so I have a clear connection and I ask my higher power, do I have a legitimate reason for being there? What is the motivation for being there? And that has to be 
um, the beginning. Um, and the last thing I wanted to say is, you know, just like it applies with food, I don't have to avoid getting scared anymore either. I don't have to even avoid um, anger because this plan of action teaches me how to deal with that. I don't have to control anything. Emotions can come up. Difficult situations can come up. Um, and if I work the, st if I work the steps, um, I'm not fighting anything. Um, and with that, I pass. Thanks, Reva. Hey, Melissa, I don't think I've ever been to a whoopee party, but I don't know because I don't even know what one is. Good morning, Melissa. Good, good morning. Good morning, Larry. It's Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And um, I don't know what a whoopee party is either, but it sounds like fun. Um, so, you know, like this part, um, it, it well, it makes me think about two things. One, it um, I think about this fellow um, who shared at a face-to-face -face meeting a, a long time ago, and it really it jarred me because um, she was in a thin body, and um, and so I thought, well, my gosh, of course, everything she says should be worthy, and um, you know, but she was sharing that. Um, her family was only allowed to eat her binge foods outside of the home, and they could never keep any of it in the house. Um, and she talked about um, how she never entered convenience stores, ever, ever, ever. Um, and, like, so that if she had to get gas, she would either have to pay at the pump or, you know, find another gas station because she couldn't walk in those stores. And she would only go to the supermarket with her spouse and never left the outside perimeter aisles, you know, because the middle aisles were where all the junky stuff was kept. And, um, you know, that is not a message of hope. <laughs> like, that um, is a message of bondage. And um, that's not what I aspire to, you know. And yet um, the, the thing it makes me think about, though, is that those measures, those schemes – those are temporary, and that might be that, you know, in the beginning period when we're told, like, a definite hospitalization or treatment is required to get cleaned, you know, to get dried out. That might be what you need to do initially just so that you can get the food away from you, get away from the food so that you can begin working the steps. But that can't be a long-term solution, you know, because um, – that's reliance on self, and I know from experience I can't rely on myself. I fail, you know. So um, if I think about shielding myself, you know, the danger is is that I'm the shield, and I'm the worst. I'm the worst possible shield there is, um, uh, you know. So just getting clean um, is the first step. You know, the, the next part is is to get recovered, you know, and um, on today, like, I can really, I can go anywhere. I just came back from a vacation. I was surrounded by food. I was surrounded by all those things. Um, why do I know that I can go anywhere, or how can I know that a place is safe for me to be at? Because I have good reason for being there, you know. If I'm going there to get some thrill out of watching people eat and overindulge and maybe feel superior <laughs> to them um, or tempt fate, then I don't belong there. 
you know, but if I'm there to celebrate with people, if I'm there to enjoy um, and to bring pleasure to others, then I do belong there. Um, and in that position, I can be safe. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa. Okay, we have Nancy followed by Jody. Nancy, good morning. Hi, can I be heard? You can. Hi, thanks for letting me share. Good morning, everybody. Um, as I work these steps and I continue to work them, I'm grounded in reality. I have no, as it says earlier in the book, I got no delusions, I got no illusions. Everything is right out in front of me. Because how many times did I, you know, in, as others have said, you know, depending on myself, we're figuring out a scheme. You know, my schemes consisted of changing my food plan, going to different meetings or more meetings or fewer meetings. Um, and my personal favorite was getting a new sponsor. Nothing worked, nothing. And I have decades of experience with nothing working. Um, and today I marvel, I still marvel at my baking for my family, which I do regularly. Um, I consider it a loving service for them because they enjoy it. And I have food all around my house. I don't like to say it's not my food. I just say it has nothing to do with me. It sits there like a bunch of laundry, and I've never had a problem ignoring laundry. Um, you know, I trying to change my life to empty it of those things is trying to control people, places, and things. And, and you know, others have also said I've never, they've never been able to do that, and they're the worst, you know, that's the worst thing to, to do is for them to try to control. And whenever I feel a bit dragged down by things in my life, which I have to say I, I do, you know, especially now, um, I always think of the blessed freedom of, that I have from obsession with food, which is evidence of a power greater than me. Sometimes I feel like, you know, my life, you know, having been gotten recovered, that I should be able to float down the road of happy destiny. Not the case for me. I am, I'm trudging down. I'm slogging down the road of ha- um, the happy destiny. But I'm grateful all over again. Um, and I, and I'm, I, I'm always grateful. I never, and I never go places for gratuitous thrills. I always have a legitimate reason to go there. And the last thing that I'll say is, you know, when I have to go to a party, I can, or any sort of thing where, where my husband and I are invited, I can always be counted on to bring a big salad and a big bowl of fruit, number one. And number two, if I don't feel like I really want to have anything to do with the food, no matter what time it is, I eat before I go because that's what works. And, um, you know, I've gone to places where the food, someone once said that they ate and the food was dancing in front of them, like at the drive-in that, you know, they have the dancing Cokes and things. That no longer happens for me. I, you know, I can, if I eat before, I don't have to worry. Then I can go where the food, where the food is or where the people are if there's food there. And the food just looks like so much laundry. And, um, you know, that's how I work it work the steps today, having worked the steps, that's what my life is like today, I feel completely safe and protected. The problem doesn't exist. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks so much, Nancy. Okay, we have Jody EQ, followed by Katie F. Good morning, Jody. Good morning, Barry, and happy birthday to Matt. Happy, happy birthday, Matt. So, gosh, this is kind of painful because I came into the program over three decades ago. And I, you know, did I work the steps? Not completely, no. I tried, but I don't think I had a guide who had really worked them all either. So I did lots of other things. I used the tools. At one point I joined a, like a sister program of OA and got super strict. 
And then the bigger explosion than ever started to happen. I would get abstinent for a time, which was wonderful. Getting off of my binge foods was great. But getting off of the binge foods, getting abstinent and not working the steps is a setup for a big explosion. And that's what I saw happen time after time. So uh, I'm currently uh, on step nine. I'm working my amends. And I'm not even sure that I, I have never systematically finished all my amends in over 30 years. I've done some, but not all of them. So I'm working on that now. And and by the grace of God, I do have neutrality around the food. I do, and I have for quite a while now. But uh, I am, I want to work these steps completely and thoroughly and diligently because I want these promises. And I'm sure you do too. So I hope you, if you have not gotten a big book guide, will also work these steps so you too can have this neutrality that everyone's talking about because it is possible to be in a, at a party, at a wedding, and to not want those trigger foods because they're poison to me. And they take me down a road that is not happy whatsoever. Those foods don't call to me at all today, and for that, I am truly grateful. And Matt, I hope hope that's true for you today, too. Take care, everybody. Thanks, Jody. Okay, let's go over to Katie S. Good morning, Katie. Good morning. This is Katie Up, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And lots of great shares. It's hard to um, come up with something original on top of all these. But just my own experience with this is that, you know, I have been in the worst situations for a compulsive overeater um, and didn't eat anything. And then I've been in the easiest situations and ate everything in sight, just like people yeah. have described. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't... Um, it doesn't matter where I am. It's where am I inside? Where am I spiritually? And where am I in um, connection with the people around me? And so that's where this line, if we have a legitimate reason for being there, you know, I'm getting ready to have my 40th high school reunion, which is just a staggering number. Um, you can do the math and figure out how old I am. And, you know, the first thing they're having is a happy hour. And, you know, the last uh, every decade we've had these, so the last three times, I didn't go to the happy hour. Um, I didn't feel a need to go to the happy hour, and, and this time I'm going to go. But, you know, I'm not going there with some vicarious pleasure um, of, you know, of, of anything, with the alcohol or with the food, and I have a legitimate reason to be there. And I also have a legitimate reason to leave if it gets uncomfortable or obnoxious because, being around other people who are drinking is not always fun, or eating, for that matter. Um, so I can go anywhere. I can go anywhere today, and I've actually found it harder. Uh, I was in the restaurant business the first 16 months of my recovery, and that was easy compared to uh, working in offices where they have food brought in every day. So, 
you know, it really doesn't matter um, living in America, which I know we have some people on these lines that aren't in America, but in where I'm from, there's food everywhere all day long, and there's no way to avoid it. So we don't have to avoid it. We just have to um, stay spiritually fit. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Katie. Appreciate that. Okay, if you're just joining us, we're on page 101, second paragraph through two paragraphs. Who would like to share? Leia S. Richard Leia B. S. Richard B. Carmela D. Carmela. Morning, Sandy. Matt L. Sandy, Matt. I missed somebody in there. Sally A. Morning. Sally A. Pete, I think that's that's about six of us here. Let, let's go with that. I'm sorry if I missed someone there. So I have Leah S. followed by Richard B. Leah, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much. Um, wow. Okay. Uh, when I came into program, I I needed to avoid a lot of places, a lot of people, because I didn't know how to get along. I didn't know how to how to keep my diet. I didn't know how to. I needed structure. And this is what this program has given me in the very beginning, structure. So I needed to write down my foods, and I needed to, to abide by them. I needed to stay in my hometown so that in my own apartment so that I can follow these and I needed to study to study how to get along with people and that it's not all about Leah and slowly slowly I have started to change and what has happened these past five years uh, without fail I have been catapulted into a different world each summer in a world of girl, young girls where everything is crazy, crazy, starting from the rides, starting from the uh, nighttime uh, parties and everything else, and with people that I had no idea and no clue how to get along with. And lo and behold, not only am I abstinent, not only am I keeping it together, not only am I keeping up with their runnings around and, 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 and craziness, but I'm also, I had a wonderful, wonderful summer. And that is all due to the spirituality of this program because food is not into the equation at all in what I have gone through. And, and life can be can be lived to the fullest and and you can come back to New York and come back into your life and just cope back into it because it all is about the spirituality and um and and the reviewing of this program each and every single day. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thanks so much. When Irish eyes are smiling. Hey, Richard. Good morning. <laughs> good morning to you, Larry. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Richard B., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Ireland. 
although I'm not Irish. Um, anyway, uh, the text. Any scheme of combating alcoholism which proposes to shield the sick man from temptation is doomed, doomed, doomed to failure. Um, yeah, I was one of these people who was in the rooms and not working the program as is in this book, trying to work the steps. And I did work the steps. Uh, but I didn't continue to work the steps. and I didn't maintain fit spiritual condition. Um, I dieted my way through the program for 18 months um, before um, I came into A Vision for You. And, um, and well, actually, it was a few months before when I stopped. Um, so, yeah, the dieting just really didn't work. But also, when I'm looking at the putting myself in situations which could lead to a food issue cropping up. It reminds me of when I was in treatment years ago and we were told to avoid people, places and things. And I agree with that when I am not recovered because I'm not in fit spiritual condition when not recovered and when not living in steps 10, 11 and 12. But to have that for the rest of my life that is taking self-control, uh, self-will, and it is not relying on my wonderful higher power. Um, do you know, I was, actually, if you can time me, Larry, sorry, I just forgot. Um, I'm looking at my big book, uh, my bookmark here, and um, it's, it's just a wallet card from Overeaters Anonymous, strong abstinence checklist and writing exercise. And... It has a 12-point checklist saying, are you abstinent? Did you pray and meditate? Do you have a higher power? Have you helped somebody? And do I have a sponsor? And am I working the steps for that person? There, that is the only thing in there that mentions working the steps. Um, so, yeah, that's something that kind of disappoints me a little. Uh, but I'm grateful that it's sat in a book which teaches me how to work the steps, uh, exactly how to work the steps. Um, and, and that's just wonderful. Um, so, yeah, when I was in treatment, actually, sorry, afterwards, and I used to go to this weekly aftercare thing. And I remember one of the facilitators saying to somebody or, and to the room as a whole that they should not work the steps or start working the steps for six months to a year. Now, if that had happened to me, I would have been way into the food long before that six months started. Um, so I was a rule breaker when it came to that, and I was unpopular for it. Um, but even then, I was white-knuckling it. I had white-knuckle abstinence. So I'm grateful now I don't have that. And actually, I have a, a, a little thing, a recipe thing that came with my dog's monthly toy box on making peanut butter cupcakes for the dogs, this dog recipe um, and the ingredients for it. And it's been sat out there for about three months and I haven't used it yet. Um, but I feel in a place today where I'm in this place of neutrality and I can give service to my puppies. So, yeah, I'm grateful for that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Richard. Okay, we have Carmela G, followed by Sandy. Hey, yo, Carmela. 
Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Larry. Thank you again for your service. This is Carmela G. from New York. Um, scheme of combating alcoholism. Any scheme. When I was in disease, and I was in disease, I, I may be old in years, but in program, I'm relatively new. And for six decades, I was in disease and never even thought of, heard of, or worked program. So for six decades, I lied to myself. I, I schemed. I cajoled. I did it all. And when I went into program in my late 60s, I couldn't believe that I was ever dishonest. But program taught me honesty, honesty. So therefore, all my schemes, when I would bring all my food to all the places I would go, oh, I always had an excuse to bring it. Now, today... It's not necessary because when I'm going places and when I'm socializing and I'm without, I'm outside with friends in a restaurant or at a party or at someone's home, I don't need the food. I, food is to nourish my body. The gift of honesty, the principle of truth and honesty, which is step one, was such a gift. And it's an amazing thing to live every single day, not figuring out how I could deceive someone. And that is a gift that this program brings to me every day and that I am grateful for. Thanks for allowing me to share. Thanks, Carmela. Okay, we have Sandy followed by the birthday boy. Hey, Sandy, good morning. Hi, this is Sandy S. in Asheville. Uh, two things come to me. One is that the importance of honesty. I, I was in a very fortunate position. I've been in OA for 44 years, and I had a spiritual experience that led me to be abstinent. And I was in a group where there was someone who definitely embodied higher power. So I, I didn't really ever have any schemes. Um, before I stopped compulsive overeating and throwing up and 12 times a day or whatever, I had no desire to stop overeating. And by the grace of God, totally by the grace of God, found OA, found this spiritual person, had a spiritual experience, and have actually never experienced white-knuckled abstinence because of the spiritual experience I had. And... Um, so for that, I'm just very, very grateful that there were really never any schemes for me. Um, the idea of not shielding myself from temptation, I look at that not only with food, but emotionally, you know, really putting myself on the line with everything. And um, I'm going to be traveling to New York. And it, it's, I'd much rather stay home where I know what I'm eating, where I know what I'm doing, not just eating, but doing. This is really, this is really putting myself on the firing line, just going off in the car to New York with my husband with a loose plan and just knowing that in each moment I'm asking my, I just, all I want is to experience my higher power. That's it. 
And I have a legitimate reason for taking this trip. You know, the reason is to really connect with family and friends. That means so much to me. We're celebrating a wedding. And in that, at that wedding, yeah, there's going to be food. And I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the bathroom and I'm going to pray. You know, I'm going to pray that God, you know, be with me, that I experience, you know, my, for me, it's loving other people. It's feeling love and concern for someone else. There's nothing better. No food ever tasted as good as it feels when my heart is open to loving other people. And that, for me, is the essence of the program and the essence of spirituality is experiencing God in my life in that way. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Sandy. Okay, we have Matt followed by Sally A. Happy birthday, Matt. Thank you, Larry, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., a compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Yeah, I feel like I can go anywhere because it's not about the food. It's about how I react to it and what I need from the, what I need from the food. I always ate because the food always gave me an effect. It always gave me a way. It always made me feel happier. Uh, more alive, more obnoxious. You know, I was definitely somebody else when I was in the food. I was high as a kite. And so the food was basically, was I drug? Or as someone says on the line, my heroin. <laughs> uh, for me, I don't need that food anymore. You know, I believe in myself that this can be overcome. I actually went to the shore on Saturday to, to Seaside Heights with some friends of mine. And over there in the boardwalk, all they had there is junk. Ice cream, cookie, all kinds of stuff there, and like, and I had a friend of mine who he was like, "Yeah, I'll get you something, whatever you want. Yeah, I'll get you ice." I'm like, and it, and of course, in my head, my for a brief second, you know, the whole phrase in my head, if it's free, it's for me. Like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get what I want, and I'm like, then then afterwards, I'm like, no, no, this is not worth it. Then you're gonna have to tell your sponsor, then you're gonna have to like be honest with yourself about it, and then not it's not a good way to um to have the weekend. You work, you're not gonna really enjoy yourself. And um, so I brought my food with me. I feel like a little bit stupid walking down the boardwalk, but I realized, you know what, I'm worth it. So I let them eat their, I let them eat their sandwiches, their ice cream, their other things. And I'm like, you know what, I had my fair share. Not younger, even up to recently, I had enough ice cream and and uh, sandwiches and subs and everything to last 50 people. You know, I already know what it tastes like. I don't have to know what a different flavor of it tastes like. And we even went to a candy store so he can get himself some saltwater taffy. And he offered me a piece. And I said, no, no, it's okay, thank you. But think again, for a brief second, there's a part of me that did want it. And that's just, the, that, that's the disease thinking. And you know what, I didn't have to partake in it. I said, you know what, I still stayed abstinent. I even stayed over at my friend's house when I got home from the shore. When I got, when we got back from the shore, woke up, had my abstinent breakfast at his place. And, um, yeah, it's all a choice, you know. I choose not to use the food. Uh, as a, as a buffer between myself and the rest of the world, and that'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Now batting shortstop Sally. Hey, good morning, Sally. <laughs> Hi, Larry. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much. Definitely a shortstop. Um, I'm celebrating 51. Oh, sorry, 54 days of abstinence from my binge foods, and I always feel so grateful if I have something to share with you. Um, major leaguers here, um, and it made me think, I bought my house 10 years ago, 
And every year, I'll just talk about the elephant in the room for me, is the Halloween holiday. So every year I would have this major, awesome Halloween party. And I always thought because of, you know, entertaining people. I, I love to entertain people. My brother, who was, who was a recovered addict at the time, drug addict, you know, after the party was over, he came up to me and he was, this was one of the years, and he said, you know, I know why you like to throw parties. And I said, yeah, because I like people. I like my friends over. I like. He says, no, you want to be alone with the food when everyone leaves. And it was such an aha moment. And I have to say he was right. And, you know, this is the first year that I'm really considering not having this party because I'm, no, like, I'm known in my community for my Halloween parties. That's how much food was there. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about not ha- – I was thinking about doing an abstinent one, but then that's, like, you know, kind of weird. But I'm going to throw it up to my higher power, and I don't think I'm going to – I don't think I'm ready. Uh, I'm not ready. I'm not recovered. Um, to have that type of setting again, and I, I'm really sad because my best friend throws one too, and and I, I don't think I can go to hers either. But you know, the people pleaser I am, like I'm struggling with wanting to go to please her. But I ha I, I, I learned that I have to save myself. I, this is a selfish program, also, you know. So I have to guard my abstinence. Um, and thank you all for your experience, strength, and hope on this one. Have a great day. Thanks, Sally. Okay, we got Pennsylvania Pete, followed by Mora, Mora, Mora. Hey, Pete, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Are you able to hear me okay? Yeah, you're coming through great. Great. Uh, Pete D., compulsive overeater, recovered today by God's grace and mercy. Thanks for taking the meeting, Larry. Happy birthday, Matt. Um, so what I like about this, like this entire chapter is about a recovered individual giving guidance to the non-recovered or unrecovered individual, right? It's, this is not a, this is not, I'm not, every, every, every ounce and and every fiber of my existence wants to explain how I was in a position of neutrality when I went into all these different things. But really what this, what this chapter is about is the guidance that we are to give the sick person, right? And what, 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 what I think it's important for us to do, I think, you know, in, in many instances, we, 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 we want to uh, protect the new person and we want to give them guidance. We want to just make sure that they're okay. And what we really can't be doing is really creating any kind of delusion that something's going to be, you know, like, you know, we, we talk about being powerless over food, right? Like I'm powerless over food when it's, when I consume it, right? The phenomenon of craving kicks in. I'm powerless over that thing. That shit can't jump off the plate and into my mouth, right? Like I, yeah, I, I can't, I can't, you know, create this delusion that, you know, magically somehow you're, the phenomenon of craving is going to kick in on the individual and they're going to find themselves at the other end of a buffet line. You know, the next paragraph talks about what legitimate reasons are, right? It talks about why we should be in a certain place. I can remember early on in recovery, I was working on my fourth step and I was in a really, really bad place. I was, I was terrified of having to go home for the holidays and celebrate the holidays with my family because with my family, I, you know, consumed substances that were, that were bad for me. And I was crying. I was actually, I had, I had my first anxiety attack in recovery 
crying to my sponsor, do I have to go? Do I have to go? Fully expecting if I could explain how severe my condition was, he would obviously say, stay home and go to a meeting. And the guidance I got from my sponsor was, you need to go. There's a legitimate reason for you to be there. And there's no reason for you to hide out in the recovery room and blame your condition for doing so. Right? This whole program is about being become a, becoming a part of life, not being some obscure, hidden, you know, secret society that exists. Right? I go where I want, when I want, with who I want, because this program guarantees me the security and the safety that I'll be okay. No matter what the condition is, I will be okay as long as I stay in fit spiritual condition and I keep those substances out of my being. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Pete. All right. We saved the best for last again, Maura. Here you are. Good morning. I don't know. I don't know about that, Larry, but thank you very much for your service. Oh, my gosh. Let me start my timer. Go. Maura Zimmerman. Oh, excuse me. Maura Zimmerman. All right. Well, I've got nothing to hide. Okay. So, our rule, so our rule is not to avoid a place where there is drinking if we have a legitimate reason for being there. I had the hardest time with this when I was coming through the steps um, years before I worked with a big book uh, sponsor um, because I thought that People-pleasing, well, not at the time, but I thought people-pleasing was a legitimate reason for me to be at certain places. So, you know, I have to go because otherwise she's not going to like me anymore. I have to go because then I won't get an invitation to the next one. I have to go because fill in the blank. Um, These were not legitimate reasons. These were, I'm looking to get my fix. there were many invitations I turned down over the years because I wasn't sure I was going to get the food I then needed, quote unquote. Those were things like the carnival food and the uh, the food trucks and all of those things that happen at arts and crafts fairs and you know and where they have even juried artists. Okay, it didn't matter. If those things were going to be there, I'm in. If they're not going to be there, um, I'd probably say thank you for the invitation and then not show up. That was a big deal for me because I could get better food in my own house than I could at that particular event. This is, this abstinence this time around is one of joy. This is um, working my program because this is what brings me joy. This is about what I'm, this chapter says working with others. So when I'm working with a sponsee and they've got an event to go to, we'll talk about it. If they have a legitimate reason for being there and they feel secure in their spiritual fitness, then they go. If they tell me I am afraid to go because of the food and their spiritual fitness is not where it could be, where it could be better, then we discuss it and they may not go to that event. 
we have to protect our abstinence very carefully in the beginning until we get that gift of neutrality. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Maura. Okay, thank you to everyone who has shared. We started off with about 300 some people on the line and uh, Leah tells me that we dropped down to about 16 with me moderating. Anyways, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Lauren N., would you please read page 164? Good morning, Larry. Can I be heard? You can. Good morning. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize how we realize with sorry, we we realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you could do each day for the man who is still sick. The answer will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you Find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. 